What Heritage of Faith is all about is about an experience with God. And where would we be without experiencing Him? Amen? It's about being equipped with the Word, and then it's about leaving this place and influencing someone else's world around you. Amen? That's why when you leave here on Sunday mornings, it says, go influence your world, because that's what this, that's what the fruit of this church is all about. It's not just about experiencing God here and being equipped with the word, but it's about going out there into your mission field, in your sphere of influence and impacting someone else's life. The word says in Ephesians four, it says that he places gifts in the body. He sets gifts in the body. Amen. It says for the perfecting of the saints, for them to do the work of the ministry. You know, we are, we, 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 we believe that people will get saved within our church. And, and, and that's one of the confessions that we pray. We pray that, that people are all miracles always happen at heritage of faith. Healings always happen at heritage of faith. People are saved always at heritage of faith. People are always baptized in the Holy spirit at heritage of faith. But we also, we, we know, but, but our thing here as a pastor is to equip you. There's some churches that their Sunday mornings are evangelistic and they're doing what God's called them to do. Praise, praise God. We have to do our part, but I know our job, my job as a pastor and the gifts that God's placed around, around us in this church is to equip you because you have greatness in you. And it, and it, and it's about, about pulling the greatness out of you to go change someone else's life and then bring them back into this place. So they can experience the same thing and grow in what God's called them to be. So they can go out and reach someone else's life. Every Sunday, it's about you growing up into him. Say growing up into him. Amen. Well, last week we started a series called Authority. I mean, it, it, I just put a really new title. Was it, we were talking about righteousness. And last week, I started a new series on authority. The power to influence. And as I was just praying this week, that there were some directions I had in my heart that I thought I was going to go. But I, I just feel like I really needed in my heart, just real Lord kept speaking to me about continue to talk to them about their identity. Because if you don't understand your identity, you'll always be limited in your ability to walk in authority. Right. And last week I, I talked about Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me get there. But last week I talked about... Started with Mark chapter four, and we were looking at the disciples and Jesus. How Jesus said, "Let us go unto the other side." Yeah. Amen. Let us go unto the other side. Meaning, they had a calling on the other side. There was a purpose on the other side. Right. But yet, in between, from where Jesus said, "Let us go to the other side," in the other side, there was a great storm. Say, a great storm. You see, you have to understand as you're walking and stepping into your destiny and fulfilling your purpose, storms of life are going to happen. Attacks are going to happen. People are going to make bad choices around you. You'll make bad choices. That's not my prayer. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a fact of life. We, we, find, we find ourselves in these situations. How did we get here? And the question we have to ask ourselves is, is, is I'm, I, what we have to know is I'm going to the other side. It doesn't matter about the storm. It doesn't matter how big the storm is. It's knowing that we're called to go to the other side. Say, I'm called to go to the other side. So when the storm came and the disciples, it said they were fearful and it said the boat began to be filled with water. So only was the boat being filled with water, but they were being filled with fear. And so what happened was, is they went to Jesus in the back of the boat. It said he was in the bottom, in the, in the back of the boat. And it said that he was asleep on a pillow. 
And it said, they woke him and said, master, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care that we're perishing? And he, he got up and he, and he saw what was going on and he said, peace, be still. He said, peace, be still. And the disciples were in awe. And he, he talked to them about having little faith. And, and, you know, what you let me know is they should have been the ones to do something about this. Why is it that you have no faith or why, why you have little faith? Because Jesus said, you, you could have done this. I mean, they didn't recognize the ability that was on the inside of them. They didn't recognize the authority that they had been given. But the disciples stand back and all, and they're like, wow, what kind of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. See, oftentimes when we look at scripture and, and, and scriptures about Jesus is we see things. We always look at the disciples and we put ourselves in the disciples' feet instead of seeing ourselves in Jesus' feet. That's right. See, we look at ourselves because we always see ourselves with the one with the limitation. Yes. And we'll, we'll add our label to, well, my this or my that, my failures, my problems, my. And so, so in life, a lot of times we go through and we look at ourselves as, as the disciples and the lack that they had instead of seeing Jesus and the power that he had. That's right. Amen. And so as I stepped in, into preparing and studying over this a few weeks ago, the Lord said, I need to see my people need to see themselves more like Jesus than like the disciples. Yeah. You got to realize that, you know, uh, the disciples at this time realized they weren't born again yeah. and they weren't filled with the Holy ghost, yeah. right. but Jesus was filled. Yes. You see, we have to understand what is our identity right now? Not what our identity will be in the future, but what is our identity right now? You see, the world that we live in, there's an identity crisis. There's an identity crisis. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 4. Actually, verse 3. It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now, when we started the series on righteousness, what did we talk about the gospel? How the gospel was the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also the Greek. For therein is righteousness revealed. So if I really understand what the gospel was all about, I fully have to understand that the gospel was to bring me a new identity. The gospel was to bring me a fresh revelation about Not who I was, but who I am right now, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Verse four says, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. You see, the God of this world is always trying to hinder people from hearing the gospel. And when he hinders you from hearing the gospel, and he blinds you to the gospel, then it's impossible for you to ever truly see what your true identity is. Because if the gospel is for me to understand righteousness, and that's my identity, and he's trying to blind them, then what is he trying to keep me from? My true identity. You see, if if you don't understand, and you don't have a proper identity, it'll be hard for you to operate in the right authority. In this, the world we live in, this, there's, there's, 
there's an identity crisis. Everyone is in the world. If you look at the world, everyone's trying to classify people. Everyone's trying to put people in a box, put people in a mold, put people in. Well, this is who you are. This is who I am. And so the enemy is trying to blind people's mind. And if I can keep them thinking about having the wrong identity, they can never step into their true identity. Now, now think about it. If we, we look at race. You understand race isn't, isn't one color against another color. Now, now the root of racism is hate. It's and it, and it's, and it's birth and fear because the thought is, I never want you to become better than me. I never want you to rule me. So it's based in fear and it's dominated with hate, but you understand, you know, it, Put it this way, when we go to Tanzania and you have the Meru and the Maasai, they're both the same color, but yet they can't stand each other. So racism isn't a white thing, a black thing. It's a fear, hate thing. You know, look at, look at the cold war between Ukraine and Russia. They're both the same color. So, so the thing is, is the enemy wants us to break everything down in boxes when the root is still has to do with fear. That's the bottom line. You know, you know, classifying people as it pertains to classifying people as it pertains to uh, political parties, age, you know, there, there, is, there is just as much racism within, within generations than it is in almost any other thing. There's, there's older people don't like younger people, and you have younger people that can't respect older people. And you have, so there, there is, everything's being divided in so many different ways. And we classify things. Well, what generation are you? You're the generation X, the generation Y, or the GI generation, if you were born around 19, uh, 1900 to 1929. And after that, it's the silent generation. And if you were born around 1946 to a certain time, then you had the baby boomers. And then, and then you have these other people blaming everything on the baby boomers or why we are where we are is because of them. It's because of them. <laughs> then you have the millennials and, and, and somehow the older people think the problem in the world today are because of millennials. And what happens is we, we put everything in a box and everything brings division. And so, so what happens is you become blinded to true identity because you're too worried trying to measure up to the world's identity. You know, because for instance, if I'm born in a certain, well, I guess I should be this way because after all, that's the generation I'm in. If I'm a millennial, then I need to be doing this, that, or the other. And then you, you can never measure up to things. So, so we still are classifying people. Yeah. And what happens is it destroys true identity. In whom the God of this world has blinded. See, that's how the enemy is going to blind us from true identity if he keeps us focusing on wrong identity. See, we have to stop being focused and settle for world label, the world's labels and embrace Christ's liberties. We have, to, we have to put down every label so we can pick up his liberties. You know, even from the beginning of time, how did, how did, how did the God of this world operate? He, he went to Eve and, and you've heard me talk about this plenty of times, how if you be this, he was what? Attacking her identity. What about Jesus in the, in, in the wilderness? He was attacking his identity. He's always out to keep you from seeing who you really are. 
And we'll never step into authority if we're more worried about this world's labels. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light. So he blinds their eyes. Why? So they can't see the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into them. I mean, if I get them so focused on all these other identities, then they'll not be able to see the true identity. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse three says, for as much as you are manifestingly declared to be epistles of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. In such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Now get that. But with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. So God wants something to come off that was written on stone. And he wants it to be written on hearts. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Meaning I'm not sufficient in myself, but I'm sufficient in God. Meaning my identity needs to come from what he's writing on my heart. I'm just laying a foundation here. Who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, I'm not going to read. I'm going to go. We'll pick up here in verse 17 here in a minute. But think about this. He's and then he starts telling a story about Moses and he talks about the law and how the law was written. And it said when Moses saw it and Moses beheld it and Moses looked at it, it said that his face became like the glory of God that they couldn't even look at him. What? Because of what he was looking at. And he, then he, then he started talking about if the former that was, that had flaws was that created that much brilliance on Moses, how much more would the new of the spirit Verse 15, but even unto this day, when Moses read the veil is upon their heart, whose heart, the Jewish people's heart, meaning when they're hearing about the gospel, they can't see it. Why? Because they're worried about their label. They're worried about their tradition. They're worried about every other thing. Verse 16, nevertheless, when it shall return to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. When you return to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in the glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Let's look at verse 18. I want to key on a couple words here. But we all, with open face, beholding. But we all, with open face. We all, with open face, beholding, as it were. See, we have to, we have to stop allowing our labels to dictate what Christ is going to do in our lives. We are with open face. Open face, beholding. 
beholding, as in the glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. See, when we open our face and we behold the right thing, it will cause us to be changed into something, be transformed into something. When we look at Christ, you're beholding the glory and he will change you from the inside out. So the question is, what are we beholding? What are we beholding? Because whatever we're beholding is what we're becoming. If you're more concerned about your label and pursuing a label, you'll never step into true identity. I'm taking, taking my time with this because I really, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to do something in all of our hearts this morning, going to open our eyes to a lot of things because we need to, with open face, beholding. Can I get three volunteers? I, I, actually, I'm sorry, I just need two, I'm sorry, two volunteers. Now, now, I, now, you, now you, you need to like Kool-Aid. You, you need to like Kool-Aid. Edward, come on. You like Kool-Aid? I like Kool-Aid. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. I already got two over here. Thank you, though. I love Kool-Aid. I I grew up on Kool-Aid, too. I love Kool-Aid. Now, now see, we all have a different identity. We all have a different label. You know, and we're, we, we define our world by labels, right? I just talked about that. And, and so, you know, my water is smart water. I'm, I'm smarter than you, man. I got, I got smart water. It's glacier water. It's glacier smart water. Mine's from a glacier. I, my my water is a lot better than your water. Mine says it's pure. And it's it pure? Well, did you see that Facebook ad on Aquafina? It wasn't too good. <laughs> and and you, with vitamins. Well, mm. minerals. Yeah, I bet it is, but it's not smart. <laughs> and there, he, this guy's got Fiji water over here. And see, look at this little guy. He's just he's just little, you know. It's just. <laughs> He's a, he's a little water, you know, and, and so, so what I want you to see is we, we measure ourselves by labels and, and what happens, even though we get born again, we, we accept Christ, we accept Christ and we go through life and we got, we got our label of water and we got our Christ, we got our Kool-Aid. Now, come on, don't, don't go with someone tweet and say, brother, at Hair Jaffe, they made you drink the Kool-Aid. So, I mean, I'm not Jim Jones. This, not, this, this is all good. Trust me, man. It's good. <laughs> and, so, and so here we go through life, and, and we've been a Christian, and we carry around our label. I, I'm still Glacier Smart Water, but, you know, I got Christ. See, he's got his Christ and he's got his Dasani water and he's got Christ and he's got his Aquafina water. See, see, but then in the back of our mind, we can still think, well, I'm still, I'm smart water. (laughs) And so what happens is we, even though we're born again, we still are not totally beholding him. We made, we made Jesus the Lord and we're going to heaven. But the thing is, is what's really changed? 
See, we truly need to understand that the moment that you got born again is the day that you had to stop carrying the world's labels. And I'm gonna, I want to show you this in scripture. See, see, it's not until you... you wait a minute, I got to drink about four ounces because it's only for 16. So it's got to taste right. You can, you can put your Kool-Aid in. You can put your Kool-Aid in. Yeah, you got to get this. It's for 16 ounces, so. Yeah. So we have to understand that, that this label doesn't define me anymore. My age doesn't define me anymore. My race doesn't define me anymore. My financial status. You know, we put people in low, middle, high class. And so we have all these labels that we try to put in people. But, but yet, because we still are keeping, some part of us are keeping Christ separate from who we are. But when you totally understand what took place in Christ, you understand your true identity. In, in Colossians chapter two, verse eight says in him dwells all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him. So when I accepted Christ into my life, it wasn't me just having him tag along with me as I keep doing my own thing. No, I allow him to fill my life to where it changes everything about me. Wow. I love Kool-Aid. You know, and, and so when you understand that it's not just adding Christ to my life, but it's allowing Christ to become your life. See, it, it's not holding on to your, your, your identity, your old identity anymore. No, it's like, I am in Christ. I am in Christ. In Galatians chapter three twenty seven, it says those that are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Enjoy your Kool-Aid. And when you leave today, you all get a packet of Kool-Aid. So, <laughs> It's prepackaged. I didn't mix it. So it's all. <laughs> but you need to understand that, that you're, not, you're not your old identity more. Just having Christ, just following you. No, Christ is in you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. I know some of these things are basic, but I'm just following what the Lord told me to minister this morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us because we are the opinion and the conviction that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that all those who live, get this, all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves. So that means I can no longer live as smart water. But I've got to live as Kool-Aid. See, I'm no longer to live for my, if I just live for myself, then I live for the label. But when I understand that I'm no longer to live for myself, but to and for him who died and was raised again for their sake. Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view. Now get this. We no longer view them from a human point 
of you. That means I can't look at you based on your race. I can't look at you based on your race or your gender. I have to look at you based on the fact that you're a Kool-Aid just like I'm Kool-Aid. Consequently, from now on, we're not to estimate and regard no one from a human point of view in terms of natural standards or value. No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint as a man, yet now, yet now, we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of the flesh. Therefore, if any person is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the fresh and new has come. I'm telling you, say this with me. My old label, my old label is, gone. is gone. Fresh and new, Fresh and new has, come. has come. You see, it's what you identify with. It's what you're beholding. It has an open face beholding as it is the image that you, in, of the glory of God, that you'll be changed into that image. As I behold him, as I behold Christ, as I look at Christ, as I get into his word, as I get into his presence, he changes me to be more and more like Kool-Aid. More and more like him. That I'm no longer looking and defining my life based on external, experience, external uh, experiences, but I'm basing my life totally on Christ. See, it's whatever you're def- identifying with, it's whatever you're beholding that is either limiting you or it's causing you to be victorious. Let me say that again. It's whatever you're identifying with and whatever you're beholding that's determining whether you're either going to live with limitations or you're going to live in victory. But it says with open face, with open face. What it said, it said that the Jews couldn't re, couldn't hear the gospel and receive the gospel because it, it was like a veil over their eyes. Why? The enemy was trying to blind them to the fact that the Messiah had already come, that their victory was there, that they had access into God's presence. But we with open face beholding, See, we don't, don't have a closed mind as it pertains to God. Amen. Don't have a closed mind as it pertains to God and what he wants to do in your life and what he wants to do through your life because it's what you're beholding. It's what you're identifying that will, will be what fills your life. You know, thinking about what I identify with, I was thinking about the, the children of Israel in Psalm chapter 78. It said they turned back and they limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited the Holy One of Israel. I mean, I always had this thought, how could you limit a God that has no limitations? It says the next verse says, because they remembered not his hand. Meaning, meaning they became limited the moment they stopped identifying him as their deliverer. And so you'll be bound or free based on whatever you're identifying with, whatever you're yielding to, whatever you're giving into. We have to stop allowing our natural labels to define our lives and with open face, allow him to define our identity. Go to, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. 
Actually, while you, you, you can stay turned there. I'm going to go to Judges 6. And you, you can just follow on with You can just follow on the screen. Judges 6. Verse 11 says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, and his son Gideon was beaten wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of courage. And Gideon said to him, oh, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has this all befallen us? And where are all his wonderful works of which the fathers told us, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, excuse me, and given us into the hand of the Midian. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this your might and you shall save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Now get this. The angel of the Lord showed up. Who does the angel of the Lord represent? It's a visible representation of Jesus. So what did Jesus show up and do? He came to come and give him a new identity. Came to give him direction. But yet when he came to give him the direction, Gideon was like, sir, you, you, you don't understand. You don't understand. If, if God is with us, why has all this befallen us? And where are all his wonderful works? I mean, I haven't seen God show up in years. I, I've heard about it, but I've never seen it. So what was he doing? He was allowing his experiences. He was allowing how he was raised. He was allowing the things that he saw to identify his life. And see, you are, we, we are where we are because of things that we've experienced, whether we like it or not, good, bad, or ugly. But you know what? We can't allow our past experiences, what other people did to us, what other people said to us, our race, our finances, whatever it is, we can't allow those things to define us. Because the angel of God, Jesus showed up to Gideon and said, hey, you're a mighty man of valor and God's going to be with you and do this. And he's like, wait a minute, I I can't do that. Come on, angel of the Lord. Don't, Don't you understand who I am? Don't you understand what I've been through? Don't you understand all the failures that my family made and their family before them? And don't you understand that I'm in the worst clan? I'm in the poorest clan. I come from the poorest race. And I am the poorest in my father's house. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this your might. Meaning he didn't even listen to him. The Lord, did, the Lord didn't care about his comeback. He, he didn't say, oh, it's, it's okay. You had a rough childhood. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. You are from the poorest. So, so I guess I'll go find somebody else. Oh, it's okay because you were born this way or you were born that way. It's okay. No, he didn't even, he didn't even answer his question. He said, go this in your might. Gideon said, O Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Behold, I'm the poorest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I'll be with you. I'll surely be with you, and you shall smite the Midianites as one man. Meaning, what's he want? Jesus wants us to see that we need to identify that he's with us. We need to, with open face, not look at our labels, not look at our past, not look at past experiences, but see the fact that he is with us. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 24. 
It says, and by faith, Moses, when he had grown to maturity and become great. I get that. And, and, and by faith, Moses, when he had grown to maturity and become great, he re- refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now get this. Here was an Israelite that was put in the river Nile, was picked up, was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And he got to a place in his life where he no longer wanted to identify with who he'd always been. By faith, he had grown into maturity and became great, but he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter because he preferred to share the oppression and bear the shame of the people of God rather than to have a fleeting enjoyment of a sinful life. He considered the contempt and abuse and shame born for the Christ, the Messiah, to be greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt, for he looked forward to and away to the reward. Meaning he, he refused to allow his past, who he was in the natural, to identify his life any longer. But what did he do? He, refu- he chose to look forward to Christ. Verse 28, by faith. Actually, verse 27. Motive by faith, he left Egypt behind being unawed and undismayed by the wrath of the king, for he never flinched and he held staunchly to his purpose and he endured steadfastly as one who gazed on him who is invisible. Man, he didn't identify with his, he was, he was like, could have been the next king, the next Pharaoh, but he was like, I don't want to identify with that. I want to identify with this. And he looked on him who is invisible. See, sometimes in life we have to stop identifying. No, we have to stop identifying with things of the world. And we need to look to him who is invisible. We need to look to Jesus who is invisible. We need to allow him to shape our identity. Verse 28, by faith, he instituted and carried out the Passover in the sprinkling of blood that he might not touch those of the children of Israel. What does that represent? Meaning he looked at Christ. If Moses had to forsake all his natural labels and look towards the Christ, how much do we need to lay aside our natural labels and look to the Christ? We're complete in him. We're baptized into him. We have put on Christ. We are complete in Christ. There's nothing lacking when we're in Christ. But we have to stop allowing the world to put us labels. And we need to make sure Christ isn't just a part of our life, but he is our life. That our identity is in Christ. Let's go to Philippians Philippians 3. Philippians 3. Another scripture with looking at identity. So Gideon had to change his, his understanding of his identity. His, his identity. Moses had to change the, his identity. Now let's look at the Apostle Paul. In Philippians chapter 3. He says, finally my brethren, verse 1. Finally my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you. 
to me indeed is not grievous for you. It is safe. The word safe there means firm. Finally, my brethren rejoice in the Lord to write the same thing to you, write the same thing to you. To me, indeed, it's not grievous, but it's safe. Meaning, what I'm writing to you, I'm not getting grieved because I'm writing it again. I'm writing it because this is what you need to be firm in. This is what will make you safe in life. Verse 2 says, beware of the dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are of the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. And we have no confidence in the flesh. So Paul said, I want, I want you to understand this. I want you to receive this. And I'm going to write this to you again. And he goes, he goes, beware of the dogs. What are you talking about? He's talking about the people that would have you stay under the law. And, and talking about you're only going to be saved through circumcision. So what's he saying? He, he's saying, he's saying, look, that we, which worship God in the spirit, we rejoice in Christ Jesus and we have no confidence in the flesh. Paul's saying, I don't find my identity in the flesh. But what is it? I find it in worship and I find it in Christ. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man think that he has, he, he has, <laughs> look at verse four again. Though for myself, I have at least grounds to rely on the flesh. If any other man consider he has or seems to have reason to rely on the flesh and his physical and outward advantage, I still have more. Circumcised when I was eight days old of the race of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, and the son of the Hebrews. As to the observant of the law, I was of the Pharisee. As to my zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. And by the law standard of righteous, suppose righteous, uprightness, and right standing with God, I was proven to be blameless, and no fault was found in me. But whatever former things I had that might even even gains to me, I have considered as loss for Christ's sake. And think about this. He says we put no confidence in the flesh. And he says, look, you want to talk about labels? I had the best of them. You want to talk natural pedigrees? I had all of them. Talk about being blameless. I was blameless. I was perfect as the laws as it came to the law. I was not lacking anything. But verse seven says, but whatever former things I had that might have been gains to me, I consider them nothing for what Christ's sake, meaning I don't count my former identity as anything. Why? Because now I have Christ's identity. Yes. Furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost everything and considered all mere rubbish in order that I may win Christ, the anointed one. See, he, he looked at the fact that Kool-Aid was so much better than what he used to have. Christ was so much better than anything else. Verse nine, and he, and be found in him and being found in Christ, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ Jesus, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. Now get that and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness 
which is of God. My, my identity is not based in this world's labels, but my identity is in Christ. What are you beholding? With an open face beholding the glory of the Lord are being changed into that same image. You're going to become whatever you behold. Paul said, I, I can't behold my good or my bad. I've got to behold him. Verse 10, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and me being conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Verse 12, not as though I've already attained, meaning I'm not that I'm saying I've already grasped everything. Either am I already made perfect, but I follow after. If that I may lay hold of that for which I apprehended of Christ Jesus. Meaning the same one that laid hold of me on the road to Damascus. The same one that apprehended me. The same one that that took a hold of me on that day. I want to lay hold of him. The same way he grasped me. I want to grasp him. The way that he loves me. I want to love him. The way that he knows me. I want to know him. But you know what? You can't do that if you're constantly trying to identify with the world's labels. You're either going to come to know the world or you're going to come to know God. And Paul said, I, I know him. I want to know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Identifying with Christ. We have to lay every natural label aside and allow his identity to become our identity. Believe it, Psalms chapter 17, verse 15, it says, it says, I behold him in righteousness. And it says, when I awaken, it says, I will be like him. See, whatever you're beholding is what you're becoming. How do we behold him in our daily life? The first thing we need to do is, is understand you have a need for him in your daily life. The second thing that you need to do in order to, to gain this, this, this constant identity is first, you also need to be in his word. Because see, how are you going to know his identity? How are you going to behold his glory? By looking at his word. And the third thing is by beholding him by spending time in his presence. As you recognize your need for him and you recognize the need for the word and you recognize the power of his presence in your life, it will cause you to be shaped into his image. And the more and more you're shaped into his image, the more and more the identity of the world no longer matters to you. Let's go to first John chapter four. Just got a couple quick scriptures here. Isaiah chapter, I mean, sorry, first John, first John chapter four. Verse 15, it says, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. If you made Jesus the Lord of your life, God dwells in you and you in him. Man, how about that identity? Verse 16, and we have, we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now get this, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we 
in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. As much as he was Christ, and as much as he said, peace be still in the storm. As he is, so are we in this life. As he is, so are we in this life. As he is, so are we. As he is, so am I. As he loved, so do I. As he acted, so do I. As he spoke to storms, so do I. As he is, so am I in this world. As he is. Let's go to John 17. Just two more scriptures real quick. And I'll take off where I leave off next week. John chapter 17. Thank you, Father. Verse 13. Remember that phrase, as he is, so am I. And now come to, come to thee, that these I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and I, thy world hath hated them, because they're not of this world. Meaning, they don't have the world's labels. Even as I am not of this world. I pray that thou not, that you shouldn't take them out of the world, but that thou should keep them from the evil. I mean, I'm not asking you to take them out. I'm asking you that you want, that, that you, that you give them the same identity that I had. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from evil. They are not of this world, even as I'm not of this world. Meaning my identity isn't found in this world and their identity isn't found in this world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. How, do you, how are you sanctified through that identity, set apart that identity? It's through his word. Verse 18, as you have sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. As he is, so are we. And then Jesus says, as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them. Meaning the same thing I was called to do in the world is what I'm telling them to do in the world. Let's go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, and I'll close with this. Because our, our authority is going to flow out of understanding this identity. When you understand your identity is in Christ, as he is, so are you. And you understand, as Jesus says, as you sent me, I'm sending them. Matthew 28, verse 18 says, And Jesus came, spoken to them, saying, All power is given to me. In heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? See, a lot of times religion would just say, okay, well, that's just a particular way to do something. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they turn that into a ritual. But ultimately, what Jesus is saying here, listen to this. And Jesus came, spoke to them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations baptizing them in the identity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What does the word baptize mean? Immerse. Go into all the world and immerse them in the identity. Immerse them in the identity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Immerse them to where they no longer have the world's identity, but they now have the Father's identity. They have the Son's identity. They have the Holy Ghost's identity. See, our identity isn't one of, ad, uh, of being in the world and a believer. No, I am a believer. And I am to go. He's given us all power and authority for people to come to the same identity. That we've come to.
But we cannot, can't operate in the fullness of this power if we're still worried about our natural labels. We need to be holding Christ's label. Because everything, our authority and our power will flow out of knowing him. Father, I thank you for your word today. And I thank you for the challenge that it brings to our life. And I thank you as a body. I thank you that we're coming up. We're coming up in boldness. We're coming up. We're coming up in revelation of who we are. We're coming up. We're coming up. Hallelujah, Father, this morning, I thank you with open face. No longer, Father, will we have a closed face because of how we've seen ourselves. But, Father, with open face, we'll be holding you. And as we behold you on a continual basis, we'll be continued to change into that very same image. As you are, so are we. If you desire to have and have a, the, the revelation of this identity and ready to put down every natural label, just slip your hand up right where you are. Oh, Father. Father, by just show of hands and just as an act of faith, Father, help us to, 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 to not allow the enemy to be blinded to the gospel, blinded by the world's identity and the way the world does things. But Father, that we would behold you in your word. We'd behold you in your presence. We would have a greater revelation of who Christ is and who Christ is in us, Father. As we are, as you are, so are we in this world. Just repeat this after me. Father God, I thank you for a fresh revelation of a new identity. Identity in Christ. I no longer view myself or others from a natural point of view. But I see myself and others from Christ's identity. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Thank you, Father. Because I'm a child of God. As you were, so am I in my life, in this world. Thank you, Father. I receive it. I have authority. Because I identify with Christ. And Christ identifies with me. In Jesus' name. Give him a shout of praise.